Life Audio. Coming up on Encouragement for You, Dr. Erwin Lutzer on having a bold witness and Counselor Todd Nivens with Encouragement for the Exhausted. Welcome to the Encouragement for You podcast, brought to you by Encouragement Communications in association with the Salem Web Network and is part of the Life Audio Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. In just a moment, your host, Don Hawkins, will introduce today's episode. First, a word from our sponsors. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life. Join me on The Encourager as we challenge the chaos and embrace harmony. Together, we'll create practical systems to balance your roles and fulfill priorities. And we will do it while having joy and energy for both home and work life. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once. As America turns further from Christian values, how aggressive should we be in sharing the gospel? Pastor and author Dr. Erwin Lutzer joins host Don Hawkins to discuss his book, No Reason to Hide. America has turned away from Christian values. I've listened to a couple of radio programs and read uh, some articles recently just indicating how things have declined in that way. And yet the need for us to be bold in our witness for Christ has not slacked off, has it? You know, I look at it this way. We're going through an eclipse, an eclipse of God. And what you have, therefore, is the moon of secularism is hiding the face of God. And God even said to Israel, I will hide my face from you. So we're going through that period of time, and in an eclipse, as all of us know, there are those periods where there are glimmers of light. And I need to share this very quickly, that when you look at the moon, it looks as big as the sun. But actually, it is not nearly as big as the sun. It looks that way because it is 400 times shorter in diameter and 400 times closer. And the big lesson to be learned is this. It seems as if secularism is so powerful 
but we have to see the power of God beyond the secularism and remind ourselves that he who sits in the heavens laughs yes. at rebellion. You know, I think about the, the words of First uh, John 4, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world, and the Spirit of God can give us the boldness that we need. Dr. Lutzer has written a book titled No Reason to Hide, and Erwin, the question that occurs to me is, how did we get into this situation? Well, you have a number of different streams that have created the river that we are facing You have, of course, cultural Marxism. I know that we mention that often, but it is true that Marxist ideas have come into the United States, which has impacted culture, which has impacted racial issues, financial issues, and all kinds of different ways. The culture is being captured institution by institution. Hmm. But you also have the media, which oftentimes conveys a tremendous amount of secularism, pornography, and the like, and therefore it erodes people's commitment to the gospel. You know, an illustration comes to me very quickly. A number of years ago, Rebecca and I were in the Czech Republic. Now, you know that under communism, it was called Czechoslovakia. After communism fell, you had the Czech Republic. Hmm. And we met with some pastors there who told us this. They said, under communism, the church stayed together. We prayed together. We encouraged together each other. If somebody lost his job, we would chip in and help them during the rough spots. He says, when freedom came, our young people got a hold of cell phones, and they got a hold of what is really happening in the Western world with all of the good, but unfortunately also all of the bad. And so they have opted out of church, and they're going their own way. So you have cultural Marxism in the United States. You have the media. That's another stream. You have the women's movement, which originally had many good intentions and brought a lot of good, even though it no longer exists. Because if you can imagine this, women are supposed to rejoice about the fact that men— can cosmetically be changed, and by an act of the will, they can become a woman. Therefore, you have competition. You have, of course, men intruding in women's spaces. And the women's movement, by the way, is largely silent. Now, during that period of time, with the rise of the women's movement, you, of course, have an emphasis on abortion. So you have these kinds of streams that have impacted the culture. But I think that the reason that Christians do not witness is because they feel greatly intimidated. Hmm. You think, for example, of young people in our universities, and uh, they are not talked out of their faith, they are mocked out of their faith. Hmm. They are afraid to speak because of the vicious way in which they might be attacked. Erwin, in the book of Jude, we are told to earnestly contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Seems to me that uh, that's pretty much a challenge to do a little more than most of us have been doing lately in terms of spreading the gospel and taking a stand on Christian values. Exactly. And you know what Jude says in that same passage? He emphasizes the fact that there are those who use the grace of God as license to sin. Yes. So grace is wonderful, but grace isn't really appreciated. Let me put it this way. Grace is sweet only when sin is bitter. 
But we're raising a generation that is so into grace, and you listen to much Christian preaching, and they are so grace-filled that you would never know that God was angry about sin. And so what we need to do is to present, of course, the full gospel, which is indeed that God is angry about sin, but we don't leave people there. We explain the wonder of God's grace, and we cannot understand that grace unless we understand the depth of the pit to which we have sunk, Hmm. and that God's grace comes and reaches us there. So to contend for the faith, you'll notice that the rest of the book of Jude is all about false teachers. Yes. And what we find today is so many false teachers, people making promises that, of course, they would be unable to keep promises that God never made. God never said, if you send money to my ministry, you'll be blessed and you will multiply your seed. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) Yeah, that's Uh, ludicrous. Yeah. But um, you're supposed to send money to them, and then why not send it to the poor or some other organization, even if that premise were correct? So in answer to your question... We must understand that contending for the faith is, first of all, for the gospel, but it also means that we have to stand against our collapsing culture. Yes. And in the book that you're mentioning, No Reason to Hide, I emphasize the fact, I looked at the Christian, uh, Christian issues, the issues that the Christian Church are facing, issues that have to do with cultural demonization, You know, it used to be that if you were a good chemistry teacher, you could apply for a job. Today, of course, you're asked, are you comfortable with multiple pronouns and so forth? And I deal with those kinds of issues. We have censorship. And then uh, even issues regarding propaganda, which I've always had an interest in. The purpose of propaganda is to so shape people's view of reality that uh, no matter how much evidence is presented, they will not change their minds. And then very quickly, I have a chapter on transgenderism. I want parents to be able to give them some guidance as to what to say if their child comes home from school and says, I think I'm trans. Hmm. And uh, so that's the purpose of the book, because defending the gospel, that's, of course, the core of what we do. But also, we're in the midst of a cultural tsunami, and Christians have to be willing to stand against it. And we've told in Scripture we're to be salt and light. And uh, as I recall, Jesus said if the salt has lost its savor, it's really not doing any good in the, in the culture today. And, you know, Christians are intimidated. Yes. You know, we've so been told that if you oppose same-sex marriage, for example, you're a homophobe or you're a transphobe, and language is used against us, and we are called names, and this is very convenient for the radical left, because then they don't have to deal with the issues. They have to just simply uh, call people names. And uh, we're living at a time, Don, if I might put it this way, when in the minds of many evangelicals, it is more important to be nice than it is to be right or to take a stand. And so our niceness is taken advantage of, and oftentimes we are steamrollered in uh, in the culture that is against us. Yeah, 
Intimidation is is certainly the very thing you're describing here. And I think of Paul's words to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a disciplined or sound mind. And uh, the bottom line is uh, a lot of things in our society today have been redefined. One of the things that's been redefined is tolerance. Uh, That's a whole different concept than what it was 10, 15, 20 years ago, right? Yeah, tolerance today means that you uh, have to agree with me, and that is tolerance. So there is a line drawn, those who don't agree with the cultural zeitgeist, that is to say the cultural stream, they are viewed as intolerant. Now, isn't it interesting that it is the really the people who are tolerant, who think that they are tolerant, who are viscerally intolerant. Hmm. And so that's part of the issue of language. In my book that we're talking about, No Reason to Hide, I mention that um, there's a chapter on propaganda, and I show how words are being used today to um, indicate propaganda, to spread propaganda. And uh, I want to give one example. Please. Recently, universities have come up with what we call speech codes. I quote one university that says you can't use the word freshman, you can't use the word, uh, you know, manicure. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Person, sure what do you call it? Personicure? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then it says this. It says, and if there's a barber shop in your area, don't say that he takes in walk-ins because you might offend those. Who can't walk. Oh, my. <laughs> now, what we need to do is to back off and ask ourselves this question. What's going on there? The purpose certainly is not to elevate the discussion. The purpose is to silence the discussion, hmm. because you have no idea what's appropriate. In fact, uh, recently, one of the universities says that the word America is inappropriate. So what do students do? They clam up. They um, keep their mouths shut. And I might say here that I'm not sure that this university said you can't say manicure, but that would be one of the questions that you would ask. And, and Don, while you're at it, is it okay to go into a restaurant and ask for a menu? Ooh. Nope. <laughs> because we're yes. living at a time of insanity. Now, one of the things I point out that people don't understand is this, that in George Orwell's book, you remember Winston was taken to a room and taught that two plus two is equal to five, sometimes it's equal to three, yes. sometimes it's equal to both. And what, he was, what was happening is he was being taught to live by lies. Yes. And our culture today is being trained to live by lies. Everybody knows that men can't have babies, too, or that a woman can father a child. Everybody knows that. But we have to go along with a cultural ideology. We have to believe that two plus two is five if we want to survive. Now, back to the other issue of boldness. You know, Don, for many people listening tonight, this is a very, very difficult issue. I've had businessmen tell me that if they were to really publicly stand for their convictions, they would be terminated. So if you have a wife and a 
and children to take care of this becomes very important. At Moody Church, a man told me, he teaches in the school system here, yes. he was told, if you don't celebrate same-sex marriage, you could lose your job. It's not enough to tolerate it. Now, let's just back off and say, if he loses his job, is the rest of the church going to come around him, surround him, and say, we're going to help you through this? You're looking for another job during the transition. We're going to help you financially. We're even going to have to rethink church in order to survive in a culture that has become as hostile to Christianity as ours. We'll be back with more after a brief word from our sponsors. And don't forget to listen for Dawn's live weekend talk show, Encouragement Live, heard Saturdays at 7.05 p.m. Central Time on American Family Radio and other radio stations around the country, as well as on the worshipchannel.org. Exhaustion. Most people have faced this a time or two in their lives. Christian counselor Todd Nivens joins host Don Hawkins to bring encouragement to those who are feeling too tired to go on. You know, years ago, Richard Swenson, Dr. Richard Swenson, wrote a book called Margin. And uh, I, I really believe that he hit on something. He wrote it uh, several years after Dr. Menrith and I and a couple of colleagues wrote a book called How to Beat Burnout. And uh, some people ask me if that book really was titled How to Be Burned Out, <laughs> and it really wasn't. But, but I think Dr. Swenson hit on something, and that is that these days we don't have a lot of margin in our lives. We, no, we, 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 we run at a rapid pace. Uh, traffic moves at a rapid pace. Life moves at a rapid pace. Question is, does Todd Nivens ever feel stressed out? Oh, boy. Hmm. Yes. As a matter of fact, uh, I don't have any part-time jobs. They're all full-time jobs. (laughs) (laughs) I sort of feel the same way. Uh, I feel like everything I'm doing is full-time, and yet it is a joy and a delight. So sometimes we can be enjoying life and still feel stressed out, correct? Oh, sure. Sure. Uh, One of the things that when I went to seminary, they made us take a class, and I was just almost upset because I thought, well, I don't need a class on recreation. Uh, But I found out I did. Because they understood what we were about to face as, as pastors and ministers and, and vocational ministers. And they taught us what the word recreation meant. I'd never really slowed it down long enough or taken it apart enough to, hmm. to realize what the word means, to recreate. yeah. Mm-hmm. And Powerful. I don't think we do that without someone helping us understand that we need to do that sometime or even... Uh, having someone mentor it for us so so that we understand we desperately need to do that. And, Todd, contributing to some of that is the fact that some of us are, can I put it this way, workaholics, addicted to our work. Some aren't happy unless they're they're working, and they think if they're not, when they're not working, they think about working. Mm -hmm. And so some people we have to teach to to be happy doing something other than working. And, uh, boy, you can lose your family and and your friends and mm. and and forsake your church uh, because you think that we we're driven by our emotion and that emotion is fed when we're working and uh what we what we really have to learn to do 
is uh, find out what's healthy and beneficial, uh, beneficial to us and, and really will cause us to be the best at what God's called us to be. And, and most of the time, it's not what we feel. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, Todd, Scripture speaks to this issue in both the Old and New Testaments. Uh, we have examples of, of people who were tired and exhausted and perhaps discouraged and uh, needed to overcome the stresses of life. Take us back to the Old Testament to uh, one of the stressed-out prophets. All right. If you'll go to First Kings chapter 19 and pick it up about verse 3, we have the story, the ongoing story of Elijah. Uh, he has just had a wonderful thing happen in his life. And sometimes we don't associate good things with stress and discouragement yeah. and those kinds of things. But he, he's just defeated the prophets of Baal, and God has been faithful, and he's called fire down from heaven, and it's consumed the sacrifice that he's made. And then this one little woman, Jezebel, mm-hmm. says, I'm, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> You're on my hit list. <laughs> Bye <And> tomorrow. <laughs> verse 3 says, and he was afraid. Now, and he ran for, like it, ran for his life. Isn't that incredible? He ran for his life. Yeah. He came to Beersheba, where, yeah. which belongs to Judah, and, and left his servant there. He, I noticed he did something that we typically do when we begin to get discouraged or down or depressed. Right. He isolated himself. Bailed out from a strengthening relationship. He yeah. certainly so did. Somebody that could have helped him through it, uh, yeah. he, mm-hmm. he, he leaves him there. He, tell, he says, yeah. you stay here. And then he says he, he went on for a day, a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down underneath a juniper tree, and he requested for himself. Now, who's he talking mm. to? He's talking to God. Right. That he might die. Yeah. He was literally depressed to the point of feeling suicidal and asked God to take his life for him. And, and he goes on to say, and said, it's enough now, O Lord. In other words, I've had all I can take. Yeah. He was doing the pie-pie thing. I've all I can take. I can't stand no more. Right. And it's enough now, O Lord. Take my life, for I am not better than my brothers. He, he said, I'm a failure. Everybody before me has been a failure, and I'm tired of trying. Verse 5 says, and he laid down and slept under a juniper tree, and behold... Something happened he wasn't really expecting, I think. An angel touched him, and he said to him, Arise, eat. And and then he he looked, and behold, there was at his head a bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. Hmm. So he ate, and he drank, and he laid down again. Uh, God understands all of our needs, our our physical needs, our emotional needs, our spiritual needs. It's not like it's any of that... uh, uh, news to him or something he doesn't know. And if God if God meets our needs, then he's going to meet not just our spiritual need when we go to church on Sunday. He's going to meet our needs. He's going to meet the whole person, the whole, yeah. the whole man. And um, we forget that sometimes. Yeah, we're telling you, friend, that there is hope for your depression, your discouragement, your exhaustion, your stress. The Lord can help you with that. And interestingly enough, God met those physical needs. He eventually met uh, Elijah's emotional needs for significance, helping him uh, through the still, quiet voice, and and even restored uh, a healthy relationship by bringing Elisha into his life and giving him a chance to mentor that young prophet. So uh, God really met Elijah's needs. Take us into the New Testament, if you will, Todd, and and uh, 12 Tired Men. We have one of the chapter titles in How to Beat Burnout yeah. is Jesus Treats 12 Tired Men. Right. Tell us about that. Well, Mark chapter 6, verses 30 and 31, uh, we get a picture of what's going on. And if you read the book of Mark, every time... Uh, the disciples, they get Jesus gets through dealing with the crowd. They get in a boat to go somewhere. Well, you finally get the picture that 
he's getting in a boat so he can be alone for just a minute. <laughs> and he's going to the other side. Well, it, it, I don't think he was just looking for quick transportation because he keeps crossing back and forth. <laughs> right. and, the, and the crowd's running around the outside to catch him every time. But verse 30 of chapter 6 says, the apostles gathered together with Jesus, and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. They'd been really busy. They'd been working hard. They were doing what Jesus had asked them to. Verse 31 says, And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. Hmm. For there were many people coming and going. They were really busy. Oh, yes. And they did not even have time to eat. Hmm. That's how wow. busy they were. Wow. And and so Jesus understood their need. He he saw that these guys, and as well as his own, because he was fully man too, as well as fully God, and he he understood their need, and he knew that they couldn't keep going at the pace they were going at, and he knew that they needed time uh, to come away. And I was is interesting. I I broke out my Bible knowledge commentary uh, put out by Dallas Seminary, mm-hmm. and uh, in that. The phrase that he uses, they, he, they say in the commentary that it's a Greek idiom, meaning privately, he, when, when it says by themselves, come, come away mm-hmm. with them by themselves. And, and it, was a, it was a phrase that Jesus used, in, or Mark used throughout his book, when he was talking about Jesus said, we need some alone time. Yeah, mm-hmm. some I downtime. I need to teach you, and I need to feed you, because every, you're, everything's going out, you need something coming in. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what Jesus was inviting them away to, was, was time for refreshment, time yeah. for instruction, time to recuperate and regenerate the stuff that was being burnt up at a tremendous rate. In fact, the precise terminology of one of the phrases, one of the words there, Todd, is literally they had no good times. They yeah. didn't have any time they could call good times. I right. think some busy mothers, I think some busy executives, some educators, some people in the medical profession probably are relating to that. So there Jesus took care of those tired men, told them to come apart and rest up for a while. And uh, there's some of you who need to do that. And that brings us to the subject, Todd, of, of uh, what practical things that we can do to overcome exhaustion, discouragement, and stress. You know, I, I hear people brag sometimes, and, and they say something that they don't understand is really not something to brag about. They say, I've never taken a vacation. I've never yeah. taken a vacation. Mm-hmm. I don't need a vacation. Yeah. Well, no, what, he does, what they don't understand is they need a vacation. They just haven't realize they need a vacation. They're in denial about needing a vacation. And if God, who is infinitely powerful and never gets exhausted, according to Isaiah 40, uh, if God created the world in six days and it says God rested on the seventh day, who in the world are we to say we can work seven days, day in, day out, and, and that somehow we have more strength and power than the Almighty? Thank you for listening to this episode of Encouragement for You with Don Hawkins, host of Encouragement Live Radio and author of over 25 books, including Never Give Up and Master Discipleship Today. You can find more about Don and his books at encouragementlive.org. Encouragement for You is a production of Encouragement Communications with the Salem Web Network and lifeaudio.com. Editing by Phil Gebers, production by Elizabeth Andrade. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. 
Let me take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on Encouragement for You. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Stay encouraged and join us next time for Encouragement for You. Hey everybody, I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. And we're hosts of the Kynos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. The word kynos means new, and that's exactly what we want to do on our podcast. Bring something new from what is old in our faith. And on this show, you might hear us explore topics like what the Bible has to say about student loan forgiveness, discuss how the satanic temple affects our view of religious liberty in America, or even question why is it that so many people are having rapture anxiety. To learn more about the podcast, go to lifeaudio.com.